welcome to the Sparky Life Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Lamella. Here we discuss women in the trades and how to construct your career. Good morning to all the sparks out there. I don't know if you guys have seen on our social media platforms, but the Sparky Life Podcast Studio is my closet. <laughs> Basically, I discovered I get optimal sound in the closet, and I really enjoy recording in here. I don't know why, but I love confined spaces. It does not bother me at all. Whenever I'm working in switch gear, I could literally climb up in there. <laughs> I can go down into the generators, all the small spots. It's the one time where my height is actually an advantage. So I'd like to know from you guys, what are weird things that you actually enjoy or like that most people are afraid of or don't. For example, is heights your thing? Do you feel super comfortable way up high? Just reach out to us at the sparky life of Leah at gmail.com. We can't wait to hear from you. All right, guys, on today's episode, we have an electrifying guest I can't wait to introduce you to. Today's guest is a gal with balls of steel, currently with Local 24 in Wichita, Kansas. Let me introduce to you a state powerlifter and pre-qualified gymnast for the Olympics, Taz Wilson. Taz, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I wanted to ask you, Taz, when we were speaking previously, you mentioned that you found your passion in ironwork. Absolutely. What would you say are common myths about the ironwork? That it's too hard for any woman to get into. That's the main one. And that there's not like enough diversity, I guess, in it because there's actually a lot. What, what kind of diversity? Tell me. So we just have people from all different walks of life. I mean, honestly, like we have people who have never been in the trades. We have people who are sixth, seventh, eighth generation iron workers. Wow. There's people that you look at and you're like, you're an iron worker because they're either <laughs> so small or they're, they're heavy set or, you know, whatever. That's another thing I wanted to ask you about. What's your height and weight for our listeners? I am four foot nine and a hundred pounds. And when we spoke previously, you said you weren't always a hundred pounds, right? Right. I was 175 when I started. Wow. That's incredible. Talk about working out and being paid to work out. <laughs> I lost majority of that weight within the first six months of me being out on the job site. That's absolutely wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And you said that you found your real purpose and passion in ironwork. Tell me exactly what is it that you love so much about the trade? It's very physically demanding. It's hard. And I've always liked to push myself to my limit, I guess. And so this gives me the opportunity to do that on an everyday basis. And also seeing the sun come up every morning when I'm going to work. I love that. It, it's hard and it's super stimulating mentally. Have you ever read the book Endure by Cameron Haynes? 
I have not. Highly, highly recommend it because you talk about finding your limits and he's basically the number one bow hunter in the world. He's an incredible person, incredible man. I do not know him personally at all. I just know him through his book as an author and on the uh Joe Rogan podcast. And he's just, he's really, his whole story is incredible. And it sounds like you have a similar mindset to him. And yeah. I think you, I think you'd really enjoy the book, really enjoy it. That sounds right up my alley. I love to push myself to my limits. Like, so when I was in high school, I was a state power lifter. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and I was also a gymnast and I had pre-qualified for the Olympics. That's wonderful. That's such an accomplishment. Yeah, pushing myself has always been kind of my my niche, I guess. <laughs> so what would you say is the most important personality trait to have as an iron worker? Have balls of steel. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys are a tough crew, huh? We are. We're hard asses. Not everybody can be an iron worker. Oh, I would say that's for sure, because when I was in uh, all women's trade school, I had the opportunity to check out ironworking. And for me, I did not have balls of steel. <laughs> you have to okay with height and doing some cowboy shit. Yes, I am a geek and mathematics are more my style. I am terrified of heights. So <laughs> I went the electrical route. <laughs> I sat there and I like looked at some of the math stuff that IBEWs have to do. And I'm like, I don't even know the first step of completing this. So. <laughs> yeah, but iron work is pretty incredible. What you guys do is amazing. I got the chance to try to tie rebar. That was incredible. Can you tell the listeners what it's like to tie rebar, what that process is like? You want like in depth, like how to... Try your best to describe to us what it's like for someone who has no concept. They've never seen it before. They don't even understand what it does. Tying rebar is how you connect two pieces of rebar together. So if you have them like overlapping each other, the intersection is what you're tying. And what's its purpose? Uh, to reinforce the concrete that's going on top of it. So that's how, like, you know how when you're gluing a sheet of paper or if you're sitting there making like popsicle sticks and you're gluing it? Yes. That's our high wire is the glue. Okay. Or it's like the skeletal structure of a building. Yes, that's exactly it as well. Is It's the skeleton of it. Tying, though, there's a bunch of different ties. So there's a snap tie. There's snap with a wrap. There's double wire ties. There's a saddle, saddle with a wrap. I'm sure all of these separate types of tying and wrapping are specific for certain aspects. A saddle would be a good example of like taking two pieces of rebar that are laying horizontally together and you need to splice those together. That's a good tie for that. A snap tie is what we do to pattern tie. Um, and it's basically just a, it's your fastest tie and it's just to keep the rebar like stable. So what got you into the trade? I was going to school for carpentry at our local like Votech and I was trying to find a job after I had graduated and I had applied for over 250 different jobs in the span of three months. Wow. And call back from a single one of them. Not one call back. Not a single callback. And I came across the... What type of jobs? Like all different backgrounds or... Backgrounds. It, it didn't matter what it was. I was just trying to find something to use my degree with. 
Okay. I had decided I was going to go work for a temp agency for like a hot minute, just until I could find something permanent. And they had me go out to a bridge job, which had epoxy rebar and all. Got my foot in the door, just like looking at it, basically. And I realized in that moment, that that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. And then I had come across the unions ad. And I sat there. I was like, this is too good to be true. There's no way. There's no <laughs> way. I got in and absolutely it was the best decision I ever made in my life. Well, it's so great. It's it's so incredible because there are so many people out there that don't have that experience. And if they do, it, it's usually much later in their life. It's very precious that you were able to just kind of have that moment and embrace it and, and just know that this is the path for you. Like what really solidified it was when I got put on our first rod job. And it was three months into my apprenticeship that I had gotten put, placed on that job. And I went and got a tattoo on my ring finger, on my <laughs> left hand of spud wrenches, which is the international like ironworker symbol. <laughs> I, I tell everybody I'm married to my job. There's nothing that comes first or is more important than this. <laughs> That is so fantastic. Just absolutely fantastic. If you had advice to give to girls who are interested in checking out the iron worker trade, because a lot of the time when I talk about the trades on Sparky Life, I want women to feel comfortable in investigating the trades and not be intimidated by the hard labor or to think that it, it's too tough for them to get involved in. But I know there are certain trades like labor, like iron worker, that it it really is physical. You, you've got to yeah. have some muscles or you got to want it bad enough that you're going to go to the gym and create those muscles. <laughs> so what would you say to women who are interested in ironworking? When I had first started, you know, I wasn't in shape. I really didn't know that much about ironwork. I just knew that that's what I wanted to do. They give you a lot of leniency when you first come out there. What, what state are you located in? So Kansas. Kansas. Okay. So you had a good experience. They were understanding that you're stepping your foot into this and that there's going to be a transition period. Right. And, you know, they're still hard on you. Don't get me wrong. Like they're still pushing you to be your best, but they do know that this is a learning curve and you have to learn to get to where you're a journeyman. And so they do give you leniency there. Other than that, though, like just you got to believe in yourself. Ultimately, if you believe you can do it and you have the confidence in yourself that I'm going to show up and I'm going to show out, you'll make it. That's great. That's great. Now, construction careers can be dangerous. Absolutely. Iron workers in particular, like you said, they're known within the trades, just so everybody knows. Iron workers are known throughout the trades as cowboys. Okay. <laughs> this is the trade where there are wild child. They're they're the ones that are adrenaline junkies. And oh. in particular, this is kind of known throughout the trades. So that being the case, talking about safety, because you guys are doing some pretty wild, wild things. <laughs> and give some examples for everyone. Like we want to know what kind of wild things are we doing as an iron worker? So one of the things, if you're a structural iron worker, um, connecting is super dangerous. You're basically sitting on top of a column or an I-beam and setting the other beam down while, like from a crane and connecting bolts into it so it doesn't tip over or fall over. You're also leaning off the sides of things constantly. How high up? 
it can be anywhere from, you know, 19 feet in the air to 200, 300 feet in the air. It it just depends on where you're at, where you're located and what you're doing. <laughs> For us out at the Rod Patch, we um, climb 30 foot structures and the things that we have to protect us from, you know, if we do fall in the case of that, we have retractable lanyards and a wall hook, which is a chain that wraps around your two D-rings on the side of your harness. And it has like a, it looks like a fish hook, but with like a, a latch on it. <laughs> okay. Okay. You hook that off to the rebar and that's what's supporting your weight. Uh, you know, there there's definitely things mandated for safety, but that doesn't stop a wall from falling down or, you know, uh, you know, shit happens. Crazy shit happens. Right. And although you have safety gear, that doesn't mean the safety gear won't malfunction or that doesn't mean to get the job done. Certain things are done that shouldn't be done because the job's got to get done. Iron workers are notorious for this. (laughs) We're like, is it safe? No. Is it the only way to get this done, though? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. A lot of times iron workers are put in positions where there is, quote, no safety option. And at the end of the day, you're being paid to get a job done. So you've got to make that choice. And a lot of time they make the choice to get the job done. And that's very honorable. We try our best to stay within safety mandates. Of course. OSHA regulations and stuff. But there are exceptions to that, I guess, where there's no other option but to unhook this so you can get it in or, you know, whatever. Right. And also there's oversights too. There was two iron workers last, I think it was October, that a wall was not completely set and it was racked. What does racked mean? It means where the wall is like shifted a certain direction, whether it's left, right, back, forward, whichever. And it's not completely straight up and down and tied in. Why would it be racked? Just due to the way that it was positioned. Like, so normally we'll pre-tie a wall where we are on the ground, we're tying it up, and then we set it with a crane. Okay. And when we're setting it with a crane, sometimes it'll shift to one side or the other. It's just not completely secure yet. Yeah. But this wall wasn't completely set and nobody had realized that it wasn't completely set. And they went ahead and unhooked it from the crane and the wall came down and two iron workers. One was safe. You know, she walked out with hardly any injuries. And the other one, though, he had a broken jaw, had busted teeth. His hard hat was completely broken. Ouch. But they survived. Yes, they survived. Hey, at least they survived. That's that's they both got up and walked away from it, so to speak. He was beat, beat up pretty bad, but yeah, they were able to recover. Yeah. And he's back out of the job. You know, he went back to work as soon as he could. He was working in the the shop for a few months while he recovered. Um, Our company really took care of him and made sure that he was okay and set. And once he was able to come back to work, he did. He was right back up on the walls. That's somebody who doesn't let fear stop them. Yes, exactly. (laughs) With everything that you've learned so far and on your journey of becoming an iron worker, what's always in your tool belt, so to speak? What, what, What do you always bring with you every day? I always bring a positive attitude. That is my main, my main thing. Even when the day is hard, the day is long, you know, everybody else is crabby. I try to always stay positive because it does matter out there. Yes. You know, you have a bunch of men who are these big, burly, tough men who don't know how to let their shit go. (laughs) 
you just kind of got to take that shit with ease and you know don't take too much shit don't let them push you around talk shit <laughs> hard hat comebacks right <laughs> try to always stay positive on the job site and it, it will make a huge difference for everybody on there not just you I completely agree with you. I believe that attitude is everything. If you have a get it done attitude and you're there and you show up and you're excited to be there, it's infectious. You know, it spreads to everybody. All of a sudden, the people who didn't want to show up to work today, they're out there, you know, making jokes, laughing, having fun and getting the job done. That's incredible. That's very special when that effect occurs. And it's so true. We affect one another. If somebody's being a sour apple, everyone kind of starts to feel heavy and uncomfortable. Right. But if you're bubbly and upbeat and, you know, tackling the task at hand. Right, exactly. Just keep a positive attitude. Even when shit's going wrong, even when you've had to rework something 12 times because the engineers are dickheads. <laughs> Everyone beats up on the engineers. Just so you know, guys, it's like it's a trade thing. We love beating up the engineers. <laughs> it's okay, engineers. We still love you. <laughs> Even when we've had to do something a thousand times, if you just stay, you know, saying, hey, it's all right, we're going to get this job done. And it's going to look great afterwards. That's a, that's what it's really all about is when you're an iron worker or when you're in any trade is being able to go past whatever you built and be like, hey, I built that. I made that. Yeah, it's, it's a really powerful. I hear that a lot from all different trades. And in the electrical field, we always joke, nobody sees our work except other electricians. So we're always judging and competing with one another because no one really sees our work except us. I feel like that's kind of sad. That's, that's kind of <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, don't feel sad for us. Us electricians are pretty hard on one another. It's a, it's a common theme that when one of us finishes a job, if the other one thinks that it could be done better, they always say, you're gonna leave it like that? <laughs> That's a little code for, uh, that could look better. But the best part for us is when the lights turn on, so to speak. I'm, I'm, I specialize in, uh, commercial industrial work. So it's, it's more about when the bells and whistles and everything works that that's when we get excited. Like all of a sudden, ah, oh, there is light. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. But it's the same feeling that you guys feel like we built that. I yeah. created that with my hands, with my mind. I helped to create that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's not a single building structure or anything that doesn't have a tradesman or tradeswoman's hands on it. Right. Have these things without, you know, the house that you're living in, the office you're working in. Somebody had to build that. Yes. Somebody had to make that. It's a beautiful thing. It's cool. It's super cool. Now, if any of our listeners have any questions about being an iron worker and they'd like to reach out to you, can we put them in contact with you? Yeah. Awesome sauce. Thank you so much, Taz, for being here. We really appreciate it. It's been wonderful speaking with you. No problem. Thank you for having me. Just talking to Taz, her positive attitude sparks me up. Having a positive attitude is no bullshit. There's a lot of science to back this up. Barbara Fredrickson, a professor of psychology at the University of North Carolina, studied the effects of positivity for more than 30 years. Her findings show people with a positive attitude overcome difficulties more quickly and are more resilient. This is good in gravy, right? But how do you have a positive attitude? I mean... 
it's easier said than done, especially when something really shitty is happening to you, right? I can share what worked for me. I struggle with severe depression and anxiety. And how I developed my positive attitude is I started off small. I would journal every day what I was grateful for. I even have a gratitude journal now. But I started off really, really small. I would write, I'm grateful for the roof over my head. I'm grateful the car started that day. Or even, I'm grateful I got out of bed. As my gratitude grew, my positive attitude did too. And then what really sealed the deal was when I started to journal about when bad things happened. I would ask, how is this the best thing that ever happened to me? When I discovered the answers to those questions, that's when my positive attitude developed. It's just a part of me now. I'm not saying I don't have down days. I'm saying instead of being an Eeyore, I grew into a Tigger. Thank you for listening. If the Sparky Life podcast lights you up and you would like to support us, visit our Patreon page. We appreciate all of your support. Check out the link in the show notes below. Thank you for joining us. If you felt a spark in today's episode, I invite you to write a review. I'd love to hear what lit you up. Take what resonates with you. And if you'd like to hear more of The Sparky Life, please subscribe, like, follow, and share. Until next time, create the sparks in your life.